0: This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live.
1: Hi, everyone. Uh, That's it, then. I finished BET. I'm at Euston Station at the moment. It's very, very busy. It's about half 8 p.m. on Thursday evening. Uh, Really enjoyed uh, the BET conference. Is that what you'd call it? Conference? I don't know. Networking event. Um, I've been there... Yesterday and today, with, with Teachers Talk Radio and, and, and myself, um, but also representing Teachers Talk Radio. It was, it was great to see the range of edtech startups. Um, I think one of the things that struck me day one, I went to this thing called the Future Showcase, which was looking at edtech startups. One of the things that interests me is how companies and organisations start. You know, where does the idea come from? How do they then develop that idea? What was interesting was these were companies or organizations that had really just started. They were in their infancy and seeing the people behind those and the, you know, the passion they had, trying to drive it forward, it resonated with me and the things that I've done in the last few years myself. And and that was nice to see. Also some of the ideas, you know, um, common themes, coding, gamification, uh, were two themes that I think came up again and again, um, so I, you see as an ed tech outsider like me, I thought that coding was almost on the way out, so it surprised me to see that amount of, of, of startups that were looking at coding you 'd imagine there would be a lot of free programs out there for 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 um, coding I mean obviously a lot of these were freemium programs anyway sorry there 's some authentic train sounds you know what's interesting as well in a station i love standing in train stations like euston because it's almost like life's just happening around you um you know some people to my right taking a selfie with a dog and smiling um and then to my left you've got people saying goodbye getting quite tearful it's it's always nice to people watch at times so yeah uh, anyway, back to the point. Um, Future Showcase, the startups, really inspirational. That was yesterday that I saw them. Uh, then I had the opportunity to meet a few people that I've worked with. Uh, Julian from Undoxa, uh, uh John and Kira from Bulb uh, were there. Uh, it was great uh, to actually bump into uh, Adam Grokop. No relation to Deputy Grokop. Uh, Adam's a math teacher, and uh, we just connected through Twitter. And I reached out to him and I said, oh, do you fancy doing a little interview, and you're going to hear that interview in this podcast uh, with Adam. Really interesting in the sense that he's a genuine maths teacher who would come over from Jersey for the, th- for, for the three days of bet. What struck me straight away, his school allowed him to do that. I was flabbergasted. I thought, wow, that's fantastic that, you know, somebody said, here you go, here's three days for you to do whatever you need to do. I mean, it, it happened that he was looking at IT kit for his school. Uh, but it was also nice to talk to him about edtech trends. What he was trying to get out of bet, and, and that that side of things. Um, I mean, the last time I went to bet was 2016, um, and that kind of brings me nicely onto the other part, of the other interview I managed to conduct, which was today with Colin Hegarty. And I've been a long time fan of Colin, um, just in terms of what he's managed to achieve in education. I was asking him about his his background. He's never been given any handouts. Um, you know he's somebody who has who has worked from the ground up if you like to really innovate in the teaching space um and you know obviously his first thing was was setting up Hegarty maths but originally he was a maths teacher in london he set up Hegarty maths it's now got i don't know a huge amount 200,000 subscribers on youtube 25 million uh views uh, he used by Millions of kids, probably. I mean, God knows what the figures are, but you're talking a lot of kids he must have used. Hegarty maths for revision in the last 10 years. Um, I but I saw him speak in 2016, and that was really when I was starting my kind of semi journey on, on the kind of going it alone, still being a teacher, but developing projects. And it was he was a real inspiration to me at that time. So that was lovely to see him, to see him speak, you know, however many years, how many years are we on? 2016, six years later, uh, to see him speak again. That was really nice to be able to do an interview with him. And what a guy, you know, so down to earth. You know, you think someone who's been nominated for the Global Teacher Prize might, might, you know, be a, be a, have have a bit of brag about them, but not Colin. He is, if you ever get the chance to meet him, really down to earth, top guy. Um, So that was great to chat with him uh, for a bit uh, what else to do? So today I spoke at the Bet Teach Me, which is organised by Dawn and Digital Maverick. Uh, Drew, they organised the Bet Teach Me, and I went to it actually uh, back in twenty sixteen as well. Uh, and again, that was my first experience of a teach meet. And that inspired me to set up Teach Me Icons. Um, and obviously a lot has gone on in the last six years and since then. Um, oh, God, I better talk a bit quieter. Emotional recoupling going on in front of me. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah, so that was that was great to attend the teach me. Uh, Lee Parkinson was there, uh, otherwise known as Mr. PICT. A uh, few other people who I've seen um, you know, on, on on social media in education. It was it was really cool to see them uh, and to see them in person. Again, this is the first time that I've been further north than Liverpool in since the pandemic. Um, so it was it was interesting for me to actually get out of the north, so to speak. Uh, I mean, got no problem with the north, but you know what I mean. It was nice to actually go down and, and, and see something different and come to London. I mean, last time I was working out, last time I was here, September 2019 in London. So, yeah, it was interesting. And the memories of London and, and the city itself, you know, got some great memories from the city. Uh, some sad ones too, but that's uh, like anywhere. And um, it was it was nice to to come back uh, and, and to kind of relive some of that especially after what, two two three years since I've been down here uh, so yeah, so the teach meet was great saw a lot of people speak uh, and I've just left to get the DLR and the Tube back to Euston and hopefully, imminently get on a train back up to, uh, to Liverpool so yeah, so all in all uh, great time at bat, um, great to network. Uh, again, it, I mean, because it, it's a trade show, essentially, It's the tickets are free, so if it's somewhere, if it's something you want to do in terms of networking or, or meeting people, I think it's a, a really great um, thing to be able to do that. Obviously, it's on school time, so you'd have to get cover, but if you can persuade someone in your school, probably worth knocking along for a day just to experience it. Uh, in terms of the, the actual... Uh, people who advertise that, I'm not convinced that, uh, I mean, speaking to them on the way out of the venue, some of the feedback of what um, advertisers were saying was how much it costs. I mean, I was, I was flabbergasted at some of the fees that, that, that they're paying, you know. Um, I think the cheapest stall is something like 2,500 going all the way up to like 25,000 and then the, the ones in the middle are paying God knows how much, hundreds of thousands probably. I mean, it just shows you how much money there is in tech. I mean, if you think about the sector, I'm guessing that tech hasn't been affected by the pandemic. And in fact, if anything, probably positively affected by the pandemic, a lot of, of tech companies, because a lot of people moved online. That was visible. Because I mean, if you look at it, you, you know, if that was a show, I don't know, in another sector, I'm sure a lot of those those businesses, companies, organisations, they wouldn't be able to do it um, now, you know, because of, of whatever. I mean, it, it's positive in a sense, I suppose, it shows the economy's recovering, etc. But I don't know what you think. I mean, for me, um, that's probably the going rate, to be honest. If you're if you're an, uh, a company, uh, a trade show, perhaps that is the going rate. I mean, you tell me. I'm interested to know. Somebody will know listening to this, I'm sure, and tell me. Uh, but it was interesting just to 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 ask them. You know, what you're trying to get out of it? What did you get out of it? Uh, mixed feedback from them, so it's interesting to to hear that. Um, so, yeah, what, what else? Uh, that's it, really, from me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to now turn over to two interviews. The first one is with... Uh, oh, sorry, three interviews. Goodness me, don't undersell yourself. Three interviews. You've got an interview with uh, Adam Grocott. You have an interview with John and Kira from Bulb. And you have a final interview with Colin Hegarty. Uh, of Hegarty Math, so you've got three interviews in this podcast, um, and then I will check in at the very end to say bye, and hopefully, if you've got any comments on these interviews, then do tweet us at TT Radio 2022 let us know, maybe you were, were at the bet, the bet show, so, you know, you, t- you tell us how what your experience was, um, so yeah, I'll check back in at the end of the, the podcast, and uh, thanks very much. Hi everyone. It's Tom again uh, at Bet 2022, and just to describe the scene for you, uh, we are sat at the Tech in Action uh, in the kind of southern bit of Bet. Uh, if you don't know what Bet is, it's like an education technology. I guess you would you call it a networking event.
2: Yeah, networking for teachers, school yeah. leaders,
1: and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and uh, we're here. I've been here yesterday and today. And uh, on my little schedule today, I wanted to go and see uh, Colin Hegerty. Now, Colin hates talking about himself, um, so I'll do it a little bit um, to start with. Um, but Colin set up a platform uh, back in, God, it must have been 2015 now.
2: Yeah, even earlier, 20, 2012, I think. It's really 2012,
1: yeah. my God. Yeah. Um, now, originally, and I've just watched his presentation at Bet originally it started as as youtube content and you've got 200,000 subscribers on youtube which yeah. you which you said in a very offhand manner like oh 200,000 followers you know whatever that's quite a significant achievement uh, 25 million views uh, i know that's nothing to you that's like <laughs> breakfast um, but hey that's amazing so 2012 you start making the videos then late a little bit later you start to bring i think you the pictures I saw is students being brought in to kind of work on the content That's and right. improve those videos That's and develop right. those videos. And you were doing that kind of in your bedroom at yeah, that point. Yeah, yeah. And then obviously Haggerty Maths has, has, has grown significantly since then. Now what I wanted to dig into here
2: yeah.
1: is, because I first met you in 2016, you did, you did. an eagle-eyed ginger enthusiast <laughs> um, coming up to Colin Haggerty, bounding up there like a little puppy dog. Um, and uh, you were with Vic Goddard as so well, Vic That's Goddard was think, there. Yeah. Now, talk me through. Because, uh, you, you know, back then, 2012, it was... I mean, this would have been new when you started to do this stuff. What inspired you to do that? Who did you copy of yeah. when you started doing those videos?
2: Well, so it, yeah, it's a good question, Tom. So back then... Um, I was a maths classroom teacher. I loved it. I was obsessed by by that. Um, I had a I had a student that I was teaching A level maths to who um, the, the, the student was, uh, was had some difficulty at home. His his father was ill and he was going to miss school for a few months. So he said, "Sir, what can you do to sort of help me keep up with the lessons? I've got to be missing your lessons." So I, I I knew of something called Khan Academy. Tom, you see that back yeah, in the day? Yeah, that's Khan, what I based yeah, mine yeah, when I did my video. Yeah, Sal Khan is like awesome. He yeah, did in America. He's, a, he's the blueprint. Yeah, and he. he's the blueprint. He did videos and he, he sort of... It, his face wasn't in the screen. He did this thing called screencasting, where you can draw uh, mathematics or writing on the screen and uh, record your video, uh, record your voiceover. With a tablet, it. he used the the whack Wacom tab- Bamboo the, tablet. The, 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 the Wacom. Yeah, yeah I, I got that too from uh, Dixon's and all good retailers. Uh, yeah. So I, yeah, I went yeah. out and bought that Dixon. one. Dixon's. That's old school. Yeah, old, school <laughs> old school
3: Dixon's. And,
2: uh, yeah, so I bought that and I started after the end of the lesson when I had a free period or after school, i just redo the lesson but on this screencasting thing and then there's a button that you could just press that I'd upload it to YouTube. Now this is, you know, a lot of teachers know this now, all the difficulty of COVID in recent years, yeah. teachers have had to learn all this stuff. Yeah, but back then I was like, I was, you know, just mucking about. And yeah. That's why I did it. I just made some of these videos help him keep up. And then what you do, I don't know if it's vanity or success but you kind of get a bit into it like kids outside your school say oh that really helped me and you're like oh that feels quite good so you do another one and before you know it yeah I, i've done a few let's just say that
1: so how did you get the time when because presumably at this time you're a full-time classroom teacher at maths when yeah. you in 2012 or
2: whatever yeah well I, how, how were you when were you doing it all because i know how long it takes myself you got, you, you yeah. you know a lot, yeah you know more teachers will know the yeah, last few years so at the time i had a wonderful uh girlfriend who's now my wife but we were not oh. married and we didn't we didn't have uh children this an she's very uh, understanding and my hobby was kind of this thing like actually it became a hobby like i don't know if any teacher in lockdown found that but it's it's kind of quite cool to learn something new yeah. it's good when you get feedback from kids it feels quite heartwarming so it was kind of just a thing I did in the evening because I just a bit, I kind of just liked it. And I didn't, you know, I, didn't have, I didn't want to go to the gym or anything at the time. So I had, yeah. I had a couple of hours to do in the evening. <laughs> Why not record a few maths videos? Like. Yeah.
1: So um, in terms of the, the content, it's like this is more about you as a teacher. Back in the day when you were teaching, what kind of teacher were you? Were you Mr. Strict Ooh. or were you Mr. Nice or were you mister you know how would the kids have viewed you as a teacher the ones okay. you were teaching
2: oh interesting. well obviously you know obviously depends what year they caught me because when it's in your early days right you're you're <laughs> you're, you're, you're mr know nothing and kids spot it a mile away so yeah eventually i think i found my home here. i wasn't i wasn't super strict i i what i tried to do is i, I was really into sort of um te- te- teaching children about practice changes their stars Trying to be a good role model, led from the front in terms of I would work hard. They knew that I put a lot of effort into lessons, and they would work hard for me. And I was, I would, I'd say I was reasonably kind. Could be strict, if I knew someone was not, not pulling their weight, I'm not going to have it, like because I, I want better for them. But I wouldn't say I was the the scariest teacher or the nicest. I was somewhere in between. But I think kids kind of bought into me because I, 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 I basically showed them that if they. If they try hard, they can definitely do better than they currently are doing. And if you get a little win with kids, they trust you, right? That's what it is. You just need to, and, and you know what I sometimes think it is, right? Just turning up every day. You're there every day, you're there early, you're in your room, you get trust eventually from kids. They go, oh, when I do what Miss mm. secretary says, do you know what? Yeah. It kind of works, and then, that's how I kind so of So it's
1: works. relationships, isn't it? It is relationships. Now, my question to you is, why? how do you then bring that into these videos? Because when you first started out, yeah. you were making them all yourself, right? Yeah. yeah. Now, they became very popular. Yeah. You know, not probably with your students first and yeah, then obviously right. with others. That's right. So there must have been a reason for that because even through video tech, um, there must be certain elements of your teaching that are um, really engaging with those kids and working. So I, I was yeah. wondering what... what because it can't just be... Anyone can make a video, especially nowadays. Yeah. Anyone can pull anything together. Yeah. So what was it about your videos and your digital
2: content yeah.
1: that appealed to them and works for them? Loads of people do this. Not all of them are successful.
2: That's right. So um, it's a really hard question. Um, I know. So, <laughs> you're good at the difficult questions. Um, so just to be clear, right, it, What the videos don't work for every kid. They, there's a proportion of kids that my videos resonate with and work with like so there's no one size fits all approach i work with every child but there is a proportion of kids that they work with and the type of things i was quite into is firstly my face wasn't in them because i i I I started reading a bit about cognitive science i started reading about distraction and working memory and i thought if my ugly mug's in them that's going to put them off but my personality was in them i was like hi guys how you doing like i was how i was in lessons so i tried to get my personality through my voice and things like that but not my face but the other thing i was actually one thing i think it's a bit what sal khan was doing back in the day some videos teaching videos are like going through presentations and they show answers out of the blue they'll say this is how you get it this is the next line of working what i used to do is write along as i talked like a teacher so i I think there was a good pace to them whereby a child could write with me because i wasn't just showing things in it you know like you could have a powerpoint that shows show next time yeah. show next slide, or it'd be uh text written i i did it with handwriting and i think there was something about that there's something organic about that yeah it felt like lessons so I they
1: think. were kind of copying bits and then doing tasks said, that's a good doing...
2: point i used to say that i used to say, right guys pause the video copy this yeah, bit down yeah. right guys try this question before i like show the answer
1: did. Someone
2: so, yeah
1: that's an interesting one because
2: that tends to say to
1: me you know, and this is a message to anybody doing this now, because loads of people are doing it, now you think of Oak National Academy and all the rest of it, um, is that authenticity and that personal touch. Uh, I mean, interestingly, the face on video.
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? I mean, do you, having
2: having the face on there, does that distract from the content, or is that a good thing? Do you know what? I've, I've thought about this so yeah. one of the reasons i've i've made that see, i don't want my face on it so forget yeah. about the pedagogy you're yeah. right or wrong i don't want that yeah. that's a personal choice for yeah just to make yeah. but on the pedagogy side of things what i'd say is this right i watch a lot of youtube a lot of vlogs like um stephen Butler, see over things like that if it's a vlog if it's like a discussion if it's a chat i think that's really powerful watching people when they talk. If it's a technical, I need to teach you this complicated thing. I think I need to reduce the amount of things in your working memory. And my mug in the middle of it get distracting you from looking at how I drew that fraction, looking at how I laid out my working. I, my gut is telling me that that is probably uh, it's better for learning if, if your face isn't in it. Yeah. But it depends. If it's about relationship building, if it's about our vlog, if it's about telling your life story, I think it's very important your face is in it. If it's technical... I think maybe it's important your face isn't. <laughs> Interesting enough as
1: well, you mentioned when you first started, you were handwriting. what well, I remember your original videos, um, you know, with a pen or whatever. Well, you know, it was, it was classic, really. It was vintage, vintage stuff. <laughs> yeah. Now, with PowerPoint, do you think there's a, a, a thing that there's been, if you like, digital PowerPoint overload, if you like? And, and do you think that actually there is that place for teachers actually writing things on the screen and doing things along. Oh, oh, I'm
2: really into this, this is a good question, because I know that um, there's a a researcher in in Cambridge uh, called um, Tim Oates, very, very esteemed researcher, and he talks about formation theory and that from a young age there's a really strong connection between holding a pencil in your hand and memories being formed in your brain. Because we teach our young children this, and I think there's something absolutely critical about that so modeling that for children is really important i think and in terms of powerpoint how i used to use the powerpoint of slides for exactly what you said the temptation with powerpoints is i could get everything all ready before it happens and i'm safe as a teacher right because especially in the early days right you don't know much and it's a daunting no. you go in there you're like what if i get caught out what if i make a mistake but actually what i use them for is just show me the prompt what is the key question yeah let's work it through together nothing else on the side we're going to do it live and if we make a mistake i made a mistake you're going to make mistakes we're going to fix it i'm going to model you how that sometimes you're not perfect and i i'm i never figured out how to use powerpoint in that animation nice way yeah i'm much more just write a question on the page white screen and i will handwrite the rest and i'm actually i towards the end i started going back to the whiteboard and not even using the projector anymore yeah i i I was i I was really into that because again and you know what I, I kind of left... I didn't ever have a visual... Do you know the visualize? Yeah, 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 yeah. I left, mean, I've never really got into them, but yeah. If I was teaching again, visualise all the way. Because yes. I, because get the book, the same size as the kid, the, with the same squares, all the lines, however yeah. you do it, and show them the same thing even on the whiteboard the whiteboard's massive it looks different it doesn't have a margin it doesn't have lines on it how do you expect children to yeah. translate that into a different uh, medium when you're modeling it in a different way so i'm at, I'd actually go. I, I think visualize i love the visualizer now i see teachers doing yeah, really it on the powerful, oak and all that I, I love that stuff yeah i think you've got to be quite daring and
1: brave haven't you as a teacher to go like that was very at the time particularly for you that must have been quite i mean i remember when i was doing it similar time to right. you in my videos and it is a bit when you first start doing stuff like i'm i'm sure loads of teachers experienced it in lockdown
2: you know it is a bit nerve-wracking isn't it did you ever think bloody hell this is crap or did you think like because well firstly yeah, yeah i don't know if anyone's ever looked at youtube comments it's a dark place right yeah. so even if you're doing a good thing in life yeah. the, people yeah. people would tell you, tear you apart. but also do you know what it is as well like um, there's something about it being recorded that when you re-watch it you instantly hate now so when you do a bad when you do a bad lesson right there's some residual memory in your brain but you didn't see it and there's something about watching it back and the straight away you watch it back and you're like oh my god i can make that like 20 percent better instantly yeah, right yeah. now and then you watch it a day later you're like i can make that better so and, and that's good and bad like because there's no end to that pursuit of making it better and it can be it, you, I probably I reckon I was my own worst critic when I watched them and I got to a point and this is probably bad practice yeah. where well, I couldn't
4: watch them and I think that is bad practice because yeah, you, 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 you actually them have to back. watch that, um,
1: uh, that's kind of if you like mirrored in teaching as well isn't it in the sense of we have this very you know a quick thing where we say look you've got to be an expert subject expert you know everyone's aspiring to be that and some people will think that they're a subject expert within a year or two years or three years or whatever but you know you must look back now and go like I do look back and go bloody hell that was a mistake and and, and actually I wonder whether that might tie into your advice for teachers whether it be in this lockdown period or coming out of it lots of teachers are making stuff. Um, I mean, would, what would your advice be to those teachers in terms of the content? Do you think they should just go for it and be brave? Or do you think they should sit there and say, what knowledge do I have to do this? You know, where am I at in my own practice to do this? Or do you think that should come into it? Or do you think it's a case of... Because sometimes needs must. you got to do yeah, it. That,
5: ooh, or do proper. you
1: use someone else's? Because they could use yours. They could use Oak oh, National. They could, there's lots of, lots of video things they can use i i wonder whether and khan did a ted talk on this salman khan about uh we've already discussed it their own teacher doing the video or flip learning sorry it was john bergman who talks a lot about this with flip learning when the teacher does their own video for their own class it's more powerful and it's more engaging and learning will stick more right okay right that's his that's his mantra with flip learning john bergman but, but obviously, that takes time. Uh, yeah. and, and the knowledge required to do those, you, I don't really know what I'm getting at. I'm, I'm talking about the experience to make the videos.
2: And, and so, what, so, so what I'd say- Do you know where I'm coming from? I, I know exactly where you're coming from. I think, like, what, what, would I even do them again? Or Yeah, you know, yeah. Almost that sort of thing. So, um, okay, this is what I'd say. First and foremost, the most important thing is to be good in the moment in your lesson every day. That is it. I was talking to Daisy Christodoulou last night. She told me about research. When children listen to something that's on the TV or a video, a young child, they don't turn their head. Whereas if the humans in the room, they look. There's something special about being in the class. Now, if you don't feel that you're you're in that right space yet, that's what you should be focusing on. Because that's what matters more. You see kids four hours a week you or five hours a week. Being good in the moment is the best thing you could be as a teacher. Now. If then you have capacity to want to do something else, that's great. And so you've got to have, it's not sustainable. This shouldn't be an expectation for a teacher. First thing you do is look out there. Could I, there's something about a class teacher doing it for their own kids. If they think that might work for their kids over and above being an amazing practitioner and nothing out there does it and they want to do it, then it's okay and that could be really interesting for their professional development, really maybe help their kids and maybe help more kids than that. But don't feel you have to i think what a teacher has to do is try and be and by the way not exceptional every day it's no such thing turn up every day be as good as you can be be well rested be present in the moment that takes years to get right and do that first the other stuff's just like for me i've been teaching for what
1: seven eight years when i started by 2015 i'd already done seven or eight years exactly when cool. i thought oh you know I'll do some of these videos and set up my YouTube channel and all that and then obviously funneling down that road since then, really exactly. but it is one of them where yeah, yeah. very wise words yeah. um,
2: Colin I think that's it that's really good to talk to you Tom thanks for everyone listening it was a pleasure legend
0: podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.wetheslacgroup.co.uk to find out more.
4: Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cat. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, or join a free briefing by visiting UK Introducing
0: Bulb.
4: the leading provider of schools and children's homes for children with special educational needs.
1: Hi right, everyone. Hi, and uh, it's me again. It's Tom uh, at BET and Teachers Talk Radio at BET, um, which is uh, a big education technology uh, networking event uh, live in London at the Excel Centre. Um, and I'm joined by two members of the Bulb app team. Um, I've got Kira. Hi. And also I've got John. Hello. The reluctant John who doesn't want to speak. Hello,
3: everyone. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but um, I've got two members of the team here um, and I'm going to talk to them about their bet experiences, uh, past, present and future, but particularly obviously uh, today, which is the day that they've been here. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Ball Back as well. Um, so if you're interested in a digital portfolio product, then I would highly recommend Bull. Um, you can get yourself a free account uh, at the Bulb website, Just Google Bulb app, um, and you can find out more about it. But obviously, I've got two members of the team here who are going to get into much more detail than I am about it. So, Kira, this is your first experience of... That, isn't it?
6: It is, yeah, brand new. Do you know, I feel like I'm skiving. I feel like a teacher on one of those courses that has a later start than your school day. But it's been so insightful. A lot of the conversations have been around um, the change in how everyone has adapted to edtech so quickly as a result of the pandemic and what it looks like coming out of it. Um, something that we were at earlier was about the future of assessment. And they were talking about how the Skills Informative Assessment don't always get measured in summative assessments but are so incredibly important when you look at like your lifelong learning and what you use within your workplace. So there needs to be this move towards almost adding more value to our formative assessment and evidencing your education. I mean, we've seen that spoken about over and over again. I'm sure you've seen it yourself, Tom, in what yeah. people are talking about.
1: I think, it's, I think it's really important. I think if you think about someone like Simon Khan, Khan Academy, he did a TED Talk where he talked about essentially digital portfolios becoming, rather than someone saying, here's my list of grades or qualifications, it's going to move very much to, this is what I can actually do. This is what I've got to showcase. This is what I've done as a verb, rather than here's a list of, 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 of qualifications on a piece of paper, as much as they are important too.
6: Yeah, no, definitely. And that ability to not only track as you develop those skills, but be able to look back and reflect on them as well, is really, really vital. I mean, we'll talk a little bit more about Bulb in a minute, but we've got users from three years old who are able to watch their own reading journey, journey into literacy, even their own art improve, because they have captured those digital assets and put them into their portfolio. And it's refreshing to hear people talk about how important it is to finally be able to evidence what you can do and not just that single day of that single assessment and the grade you end up with at the very end of it.
1: Yeah, now with regards to the digital portfolio, so I think we need to start from what is a digital portfolio to any of our listeners who
3: don't understand what we're on about? I'll this. Yeah. So a digital portfolio is a cloud-based repository of all the work, all the computer, user-generated content a student is creating. It doesn't matter what app they're using, written Word, Excel, Word, Google Docs, everything. They're creating electronic artifacts, and a portfolio allows you to store all of those artifacts in one single place. And it's one single place for life. It's not once with the school, you lose it all, you move to college, you yeah. lose it all. This is a user's experience. It's their content. It stays with them for life.
1: Because I always remember, John, the old Record of Achievement folder. That's probably ended up in a bonfire for me on Bonfire day. Night um, in you know, November 2001 or something. I don't yeah. know when it went, but it's definitely gone. But obviously, back in the day, I, I, I could suggest that the bold digital portfolio is a little bit like the Record of Achievement with paper in it, but it's digital. It's And it's more diverse. It's
3: Yeah, it's far more diverse. Yeah. That Record of Achievement is I got an A, I yeah. got a, B. Yeah. a digital portfolio is... This is what I excelled in. This is my experience, who I am. And evidencing that to your future employer and taking it with you through life, that's where the value of a portfolio is. It's yeah. not a here and now, it is. This has been my life to this point and let me share it with you.
1: Yeah. Now, obviously, for people to get have a go at Bold, they can do that for free, can't they, by just setting up their own account?
6: Yeah,
3: just go to our website, boldbap.com, top right-hand corner, sign up for a free account. You get your free account, you get access to all our resources freely available, so you can just dip your toe in the water and yeah. take a look.
1: Now, I've set one up, and I know Nathan has as well. Teachers Talk Radio listeners will know Nathan Ginn, uh, lesson copy. Um, and, uh, you know, he's set one up, I've set one up. And we, re- we were having a chat the other day about how much we enjoyed the functionality of it and also being able to set something up that, as John has just said, we can take with us and showcase some of the things that we've been doing in terms of the projects we've been doing. Yes, it's a little bit different to LinkedIn, but from a student perspective, you know, I'm talking from a teacher perspective there, but imagining it as a student, um, the benefits for them, I guess, would be in situations where they might be prospecting for a job in the future or they might be, you know, um, uh, trying to present some of their work to internships, others. Internships. internships, use case for them. So explain that one.
6: So
3: here, one of you take it.
6: yeah well I was just going to say it no you talk about internships okay. I'm going
3: to talk about yeah. things of Wino in a minute okay so internships you know it's their first really walking into the a work life they've got a three month or six month internship there about being able to evidence all the skills they've learned there what they did what they learned how they did it but then they're back into university and back out into the workplace a year later if I can demonstrate I've been in the workplace for six months I've excelled in everything that I've been shown I'm head and shoulders above everyone else if I'm not showing them and evidencing it And someone else is They are always going to be more successful
1: Yeah and it's very popular in the US isn't it That's where Bulb yes. If you like originated in yep. um, Now for, and, and Really in terms of the UK If a school like Let's say a teacher Wanted to get started with Bulb mm-hmm. With their class yep. um, Or you know Or classes How easy is it for them to do that
6: Oh, it's so easy. We become almost uh, like a teaching assistant team. So you'd arrange a meeting with us, we would help Bulb fit seamlessly into that curriculum, and then we'd support you through it. We want Bulb to not add to workload, but to enhance the teaching and learning within the classroom completely. I like to compare it to the Kinder Bueno, and this is where my chocolate reference comes in. Do you remember the original advert, the Kinder Bueno will be whatever you want it to be? That is a Bulb digital portfolio. So we have schools who use it for their coursework and they're going to use that for formal assessment in art and photography. We have got schools who use it for their um, teacher standards process. We have people who use it to house their entire curriculums, like a digital exercise book and worksheets so they can share out with their classes. Bulb really can fit seamlessly into all curriculums at any key stage. Just link out to us. I am a teacher so I can talk as an educator with you about how bulb can work in your classroom and will work in your classroom.
1: Now obviously if you're a Teacher's Talk Radio listener and you may be listening to this or you probably will be listening to this as a podcast, um, it might be that you'll hear the the uh, the audio, the digital audio about Bulb in this particular episode and in every episode of Teacher's Talk Radio and I think it's really, really great that Bulb are supporting you, the teacher. By supporting Teachers Talk Radio, which is a, which is an audio platform for you, so I think that you know if we're looking for uh, a company that wants to give back to teachers, I think that's an indication that Bulb is one of those one of those organisations. Um, in terms of the product itself, the portfolio, we, we've said that it's it's. In terms of accessing the portfolio, how does a student? Is there, is there an app? Presumably, it's yeah. it, for them. What's the way in which they can they can access their portfolio app, web browser, yep. any, any
3: device, yeah, super easy. Yeah, yeah, we've got an app in the uh, app store to use that. It's through single sign-on. If you're using it through a school, it's just easily accessible in every way you'd imagine that you'd want to connect to a portfolio. We're available on devices, every platform. Yeah. Completely.
1: Why do you think? Why do you think the idea of the, the digital portfolio is it hasn't isn't like in America, it's big, isn't it? Yep. It's a big deal. So what's happening in the UK? How, how? Why are we missing the trick on digital portfolios?
3: I think so. I, I've been with digital portfolios for five years now. So really the infancy in trying to Yeah, it's, it's relatively educate. new as a, yeah. as oh, a yeah. concept. Five years ago when I first came to vet with Bulb, no one knew what a digital portfolio was. So we spent a number of years educating people. And year after year, people come back, oh, Bulb, you a digital portfolio. Then obviously there was a COVID thing and now we're starting to build that momentum because it's not just the UK it's building, it's building around the world. It's not just the US, it's India, it's Australia, it's New Zealand. They're starting to say now, actually, it's not about that grade. It's about the evidence and showing who you are as a person, your soft skills. The world's starting to realise that, probably following the US. But we're certainly catching up pretty quickly if people needing portfolios to progress
1: fantastic now if people want to get in touch with you directly after this obviously give you know in terms of giving you a follow how do people interact with you whether it be website and social media
6: so there's several different ways you can go to bullback.com you can link out to us at at bullback global on twitter you can email help at bullback.com as well and you'll be sent into the right direction Um, yeah just If you have any questions at all, if you want to explore what it could look like within your classroom, do find us. We integrate with so many different learning management systems. We can embed over 1,900 edtech apps within any of our pages and are totally accessible. All of our fonts are dyslexia-friendly and you can record audio and video straight onto your page.
1: Thanks so much, both. I've learned a huge amount there and I'm sure our listeners have as well. And uh, we'll check back in again with Bob ASAP. Good afternoon. Uh, You have probably just finished school? As you've been teaching today. Uh, we are live in Betcho, uh in sunny London, although it's not very sunny inside this warehouse in the Centre, but outside it is beautiful. Uh, and I am joined now, uh,
5: live by maths teacher, Adam Brocott. Good afternoon. Yes.
2: And Adam, where have you come from today?
5: I've come from Jersey this morning. I'm not originally from Jersey, I'm from Staffordshire, but I get to teach in Jersey, uh, beautiful part of the world, and really lucky to be over here on a... On a bit of a recce, myself, I, I'm looking for some for some management strategies and some systems that I can take back to my school and then also share out as best practice with my colleagues in the in the wider audience on the island, and and just just also just enjoying networking again and seeing people. I was last here two years ago, and in a different capacity, being able to then present my ideas on the Microsoft platforms and stages. Whereas this time round, I'm here selfishly for myself and for my own school. Right. Your school have given you, correct me if I'm wrong, three yep. days yep. to come to BAT. Yep. Now you've got some
1: kind of targets that you've been, not targets, you've got some things that you want to
5: Yeah, well, I've got a broadcast. to-do list. And you've got a to-do list. Talk us
1: through that. Talk us through why you're
5: at this back show as a teacher, as a maths teacher. So I'm really fortunate in that the leadership team at my school support me and empower me and they trust me. So, so that's why I'm here. My to-do list comprises from everything from Emma Kemp in the English department wants a green screen for the students to go away and record their adaptations of Shakespeare and so, you know, so I need to go back with some green screen technology and ideas for Emma. James Scott, great guy, member of SF RSLC, he wants a new calendar for how we can showcase and share with parents and keep them up to the date with, with the wonderful events that we do as part of our school community. And uh and then James Bennett, another colleague of mine, that one of the things that he's put on my to-do list is to get a selfie with dame Darcy Russell. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> That's what he's most jealous of to be like. Well <laughs> and, uh, and it's stupidly I got well excited earlier. I saw Claire Baldin and like, I'm I'm like sure. Yeah. So and I, I turned into a right little fanboy because I love what Claire balding puts on the telling. And um. a few years ago she did a documentary about the Queen and I I a little fanboy just chasing after him being like, Claire, do you mind if we get a selfie? So I'm going to send that one back to James. It's not quite the, the wider reach and impact that we're going to have on our school, but at least it'll bring some smiles to some faces.
1: Well, that's good. And, you know, you, you're particularly as well interested in, uh,
5: you know, school management systems, I guess. But what do you think of – is this your first time at Bet? No, this is my third time at Bet. What do you think of it all? Is it? I mean, what, what are the pros and cons of it? Uh, of a show like this, the the I'm going to say this now right. The as a teacher, I mean, no,
1: yeah. Not as a not as a not as a commercial entity. I'm talking about. You're a teacher. You come to a big show like this. What are the what are the good things?
5: Right. If this is your first time at Bet, or if you're considering coming to Bet in the next couple of days, you should definitely come and listen to some of the teachers that are presenting their pedagogy focused ideas and their ideologies and how they're integrating technology with that and you'll probably sit there and think yeah I do do that or yeah actually I've had a go at that I should do more of that and even if you just come just for that affirmation of knowing that in and amongst the glitz and the glamour here there are just teachers just like me just like you there are teachers that are trying to do their best And that gives you the reassurance that you're doing your best and what you're trying and how you're trying to integrate technology in this, you know, post-pandemic world. Come for that. Come for that reassurance. Also, if you're a teacher, the gold is on the outside. The gold is on the small stands. I've literally just had a brilliant conversation with a charity that are looking to bridge the gap between accessing technology and home learning and what you can do outside of it. And, and, And I read... I've read um, Alice Keeler's book on at homework, you know, and the, and the pedagogy that's behind that. Because well, what's the point? What's the point in saying homework? Because the students that need it, the, the targeted intervention students, they're not going to be able to access it because they don't come from the social demographic that's going to have that support network and framework around them. So meeting the charities here that are trying to now bridge those gaps. That and they're on a, a what a two meter by two meter stand. You know, they're not taking up the kind of space that the Lenovo are or. Promethean to sell you an interactive whiteboard, they're the real nitty-gritty bits that you need to get into. So that's another benefit of coming to bet, because you're some proper gold. Yeah.
1: I'm and just I mean again, not talking as an expert here. It's Tom here by the way, teachers talk radio. Listen, some you probably know, won't know that. Um, but it's me. Um and one of the things that, you know, again, just from a purely neutral perspective here, teacher's thought radio on don't have a, a stand or a stall at that or anything like that. Um but one of the things that is striking is how much these, these businesses pay for a store space. You know, you're talking anywhere between £2,000 and £20,000 uh, for, you know, you take three days. It's a lot of money. Uh, what we can see now, just so you know, you're listening to this, uh, uh, myself and Adam are sat uh, in the edgy futures bit, the bet futures part. And in front of us, we've got about 25 stands. Um, of new startups, like ed startups. So they're all showcasing their, kind of, you know, the way they started. A lot of them have like seed funding and so on, and they're kind of just starting up. And um, I just said we've just seen about 10 talks from new companies. What I'm finding really interesting is to see what the trends are. So to see what people are actually seem to be doing in this market space. One of the things that is apparent to me,
5: coding, is still huge yeah.
1: now for me Adam's am saying yeah i mean for me coding's old hat now with with everything i don't know if it is or it isn't i'm not an expert in the area but when you think about i don't know wix and you think about all these you you wonder all these kids who are coding websites why wouldn't they
5: just go on wordpress wordpress or wix and put a widget in there instead of making the code themselves i think that the skill set that goes with still being able to code is more to do with the computational thinking and that's the when you break it down into skill specific areas it can be whatever you want if you were to take so i I sat and listened to one of the talks earlier from canva and canva are are massive now and they're so beautiful in their presentations and they're so intuitive for their users Use, I've been using Canva oh, for about see, a year my, my, now. With, I use it, a lot, yeah. I'll use it with my Nathan's here. It's up sure till Nathan used it. Yeah. I'm sure we'll give us an emoji. Nathan get Yeah, yeah. The, Our resident uh, uh, Canva legend. I um, I use I use Canva. start about twelve months ago for my football team, and then automatically transitioned. You know, well, actually, I could use this for some of my lessons. Now the Canva platform is brilliant and it's intuitive and to say, and it's the, you've got. A, a, I think the the lady on the stall earlier said about. Tisha said something like 60,000 different templates, right? And that's brilliant. But when you break it down into the skill set that you're going to need for it, you're still going to need, as a student, that computational thinking for saying, okay, well, what am I building first? Before I start moving all my elements around, what am I building first? And that's no different to coding a robot. Which direction is it going to go in the first instance? How far is it going to go? We have a Michelle Cosner who builds our ICT curriculum. She's our heads of ICT. She still uses Scratch for our students for doing game design and building computer games because you're going to need to get the students to think logically. You know, almost almost build the algorithm in your head to yourself. Yeah. So coding robots and coding microbits and coding everything else at BET Conference there's always going to be a huge element of that because those are those transferable skills that you don't have to apply to everything else. Yeah.
1: And your day job uh, back in Jersey is math teacher at secondary Yeah. Uh, full time. Yeah. Now, uh is coming to bet a nice trick for you or does it cause you more stress because you think, damn, I've got to set cover and what am I going to do when I get home?
5: Well, that you know what in the in the in the two years, these are good questions, aren't they? Yeah, because two <laughs> two years ago, setting cover gave me anxiety. And it gives you anxiety for two reasons. I know that naturally someone else is now gonna pick up what they to pick up the cover first thing in the morning and be like oh there goes my free <laughs> All right and i'm doing go box cover and it was the dreaded culture of oh you know what is it easy to leave my worksheet and i left two years ago i left about 10 cardboard folds on my desk of printout after printout to say look this is the learning for period five and then also then the liaising with the teacher when you get back to your hotel at night time so say right well, how much of how much learning was achieved in that lesson where can we then take it in the next direction? You know, is, is my head of the department around? Can he perhaps intervene for those that need it? Logistical nightmare, and as I say, brings about a bit of anxiety. Whereas now, our environment, and from what we've took the ball with and ran with as a school, is completely different. I had to send one message this morning from Gatwick Airport, which I landed to my colleagues, Kev, Helen, and Alex, to say, learning's on Teams. I'll check in with them later. And you know a huge cultural difference because now, as I say, my school is brilliant and they've invested hugely in our ICT hardware for what we've got, and giving students like what I was talking to Terry about earlier, giving students access to devices brings about such a different learning environment. So now, for me, I get to I get to relieve myself of that anxiety, knowing that I'll probably be able to check and map in with my students later anyway, see how see how they've gone on with the learning, pick up all of the. Insights that Microsoft Teams and Microsoft Forms gives me to to see how much they're engaged with it and where the gaps in knowledge are, and then and then deal with it myself. And you know what's interesting, actually, I don't know if you've seen this when we walk around. Back, I've met about twenty different management systems that are trying to sell me that, and I go, "That's my job as a teacher, anyway." That's, yeah. You know, I, oh, we've we've got these we've got these assessments, and we get this data at the end, and I'm like, yeah, I've got that on the Microsoft Forms. I built it myself. <laughs> but do you think
1: that? Uh, do you think that? I mean, you say you built that yourself, not every teacher will be able to do that, will they? So I suppose, or, or do you think that, I
5: don't know, I mean, do you think, I people are recreating the wheel, so right. to speak. I definitely think every teacher could build it themselves. I've, I've read a, a modern mentor book Matthew, well, you've got to invest time. I didn't have time, I'm a father of two, and trying to support my wife in, in her job and what she's doing and everything else, you She's also a teacher, and she's oh. starting out on a little business venture herself as well. But it a little at the minute. Knowing my wife's enthusiasm i just going to make it massive. Yeah. Um, but I didn't have the time. I just invested the time. And yes, okay, I can walk. I can probably walk about three rows down here and find another store that's got a maths quiz, right? But what it won't have is it won't have Mr. Grocott's spin on it, which is specific to my students. So, yeah. so the maths yeah. quizzes that I set my students at the minute. I'd say about four in every seven are about Wolverhampton 100s because they walk into my classroom and they know that I'm a Wolves fan so they know that they're going to be... I know that you they're going to the be... You're area. Yeah, I yeah. never would have guessed that. I'm, I'm trying to be a bit funny here, Adam, but I, I never would have guessed that you were yeah. <laughs> That's why they're about Wolverhampton 100s, But more students then buy into those quizzes and that content that I create because they know their teacher. I'm not going to pay £2,000 a year for another subscription to something that's a little bit, well, I think it's impersonal, a, isn't it? That's an interesting thing you've picked up on there, which is that with a lot of these ed tech creations, you cannot replace teacher ownership.
1: So when a teacher, for example, creates a quiz, you can have the
5: best app in the world, the best quiz creation platform in the yeah. world. Same applies to assessment yes. uh,
1: platforms. You can have the best or most intricately... You know, uh, brilliant yeah, assessment platform. But if the teacher doesn't have control and ownership, then it becomes uh, perhaps very difficult. Uh, uh, to maximise, uh, you're always going to end up adapting it. You're always going to end up contextualising it.
5: That's my opinion. And with that, you know as a teacher, probably in the same way that I do, you can post at our school we do the IGCSE edXL in maths. And that that in itself, whenever you get one of those, dare I say, what they, what they interpret real-life maths questions, like not that there's a fake no. life maths world, everything's real life. If it's not real life, it's not worth teaching. And, and it'll be quite an exotic name, has bought a packet of sweets. And the minute you then take that PDF and you turn it into Cameron has bought a packet of sweets, Cameron's hooked then, and so are Cameron's mates that are sat around and go, "Whoa, oh, these questions about you? I can't buy that here. That's my own teacher intervention. That's relationships yeah. coming through the technology exactly about that, and and I think that I do think that some some of the platforms that I've seen today are missing that trick because they're almost trying to do everything for you, and I don't need them to. I still want to feel empowered as a teacher. That's why I love going and interacting with the Microsoft Educators Community because everyone that's there is willing to share their stuff for free. You probably won't meet an MIE expert that's here today that won't give you something for free. But is that
1: because they can afford to do that because they're such a massive company, rather than
5: the goodness of their hearts? No, I think that what you tend to find is you get some really good spirited people with some, some good principles. Yeah. it um, is one for you. I know her as Amy Whitehouse, because that's who I went to school with at Fair Oak in Roosan, When now she's Miss Clark. And she sent me about 16 different Macbeth quizzes that she'd built on forms. For me to just ping to Emma Kemp in the English department and go, here you go. Now Amy's built all of them, and she'd much rather know that another teacher has then benefited for their students. Yeah. Amy could have took a two metre by two metre stand there and tried selling them for a thousand pounds a year, but you, you, that's what you get yeah. with the MIE educators in yeah, the yeah. community. Is that, sh- that willingness to share best practice, best resources. That's another great yeah. reason for coming to Better Networking because you get to pick up, like what I said at the very start, that best practice that you're probably sat in your classroom thinking. Is this good? should i keep going with it you know looking around the corridor yeah. no one else is doing this am i doing the right thing yeah you come here you'll get that affirmation and you'll get that for your network
1: adam it's been a pleasure thanks Thank you. for uh, thanks for the interview i'll leave it there folks uh nathan and who's here kately katie matts thanks for joining us just followed you back trainee teacher in manchester i'm sure adam will connect with you as well after this uh, is. he's a maths teacher as well a fellow maths teacher So uh, we'll
0: catch you again later on. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.